2: Last night, Lakers uh, fell in a game with a bit of a skeleton crew, but we're not going to talk about that today, because we uh, don't want the, the moment to pass too far without honoring the breaking of really the greatest record in basketball. And to join us, uh, one of my best friends, one of my favorite people in the world, and just a, a Laker to the core and one of the hardest workers I know, the great Joey Ramirez, how you doing, brother?
3: What's up, Pete? Mike Darius? great to see y'all. I feel like D'Angelo Russell coming in after a long absence back home where I belong. It's great to be with you guys. AD and LeBron caliber talents yourselves. So just really excited to be here. (laughs) This guy. The most charming
2: man on the planet, Mike. So Joey, LeBron's one of those players that his even before he became a Laker, I think we all had pretty well-developed ideas of who he was and thoughts on his game. Um, But it's always a gift to be able to watch a player up close. And really since Wilt in since we traded for Wilt in the late 60s, the all-time leading scorer has been a laker, passed from Wilt to Kareem to now LeBron. And LeBron's been a laker now for 5 years. This is his 5th year as a laker. I'm curious as a child of Kobe, uh you know, LeBron has always been positioned in an interesting place prior to his Laker years. How has your relationship with LeBron and how has your view of him changed watching him on an on a day-to-day basis?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really been the story of my basketball life to a degree, right? Because I'm here I am, I'm 30 years old. LeBron's been playing for two thirds of, of my life. Um, I remember in sixth grade I did a book report on LeBron back when he was like still only like 19 years old. So really my my fundamental development of my basketball brain is kind of through a LeBron lens. Um, and, and you bring up a you good point, a, right? I, you know, I got an A, Mike. come on now. Yeah, I know. I know. Growing up in Southern California, you you're, you're part of the Kobe army, you know, meet me in Temecula. And, um, LeBron is positioned in those, those odds years as kind of the guy who's threatening Kobe's crown. And so you go from that to, you know, the, the Miami years, the Heatles years, and it's, this guy is just undeniably the most dominant guy. He goes back to Cleveland. He, he takes on the, the 72, 73 win warriors. And I think at that point, even the most ardent, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say the most ardent, but a lot of the most ardent of Kobe stands start to see like, this guy is, is one of one. This guy, you know, does things that nobody else can do on a basketball court. And so then he comes to the Lakers And it felt like that 2016 year really opened the door to just the amount of respect that LeBron was getting to come in here to to LA and and to, to carry that over and to be, Hey, what's up, Riggs? Love to see Riggs. Um, And and to see what he can bring to this franchise, which to to your point is no shortage of super superstars from Wilts all the way back to Mikan. Right. And so, you know, here in year 20, you would kind of expect him to be a different guy and, you know, I remember five, seven years ago, people talking about what does old man LeBron look like? Oh, well, he probably looks more like a Carl Malone, where he's playing the four and he's not as mobile. And he's just kind of a big body who scores, you know, through strength and wit. And he's very much that plus so many other things. And so I think that's what, that's what, you know, carries uh, LeBron to a different stratosphere, even to this day. Is here you have a guy who's 38 years old, um, leading the league in fast break points. The next guy is Giannis, who's a freak athlete, who's 28. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Desmond Bain, who's, 30, who's 24 years old. And then Devin Vassell, who's 22 years old. Like He is outpacing guys literally 16 years younger than him. And so I think there, there are a lot of ways to go with it. But that's just illustrative of the, of the guy that we've seen you know, grow up from playing the two guard as a rookie to now he can play all five positions. And it's where do you want to slot him?
1: It's interesting because... I've always mentioned Kobe as being, we were the same age, right? We, we graduated high school the same year. I grew up in a different time of the NBA where there were team rivalries. And, and I think, Pete, you, you feel me a lot on this, mm-hmm. right? And so the only players that I really ardently disliked were the most hated players on the most hated team, right? And right. so to a certain extent, I didn't even hate Larry Bird in right. his own way. He was way. a Celtic. He was a Celtic, but I didn't hate Larry Bird necessarily. Like I hated Kevin McHale, and yes. and I hated Danny Ainge. Ainge, yeah, right. But like Dennis Johnson didn't inspire my hate, right? Like mm-hmm. Robert Parrish didn't inspire my hate. Those dudes weren't the loathsome type. When we fast forward to what you brought up with Joey Pete, with like this LeBron Kobe rivalry, I never positioned stars like that, Mike. Like I always say that I'm, I'm a basketball fan. I'm an NBA fan who roots for the Lakers. And so I love the Lakers. I put the Lakers above every other team and I will go to war for the Lakers, quote unquote. Right. But I'm a basketball fan and we're league pass junkies. We will throw on a random game. My wife will come into the bedroom and she's like, are you guys playing? It's just like, oh no, this is random team X versus random team Y on league pass it's like this is the Hornets versus the Nets and I'm trying to get a sense of like oh LaMelo's back or like let's let's scout Terry Rozier um so so for me Mike I never had that idea of like it's Kobe versus LeBron or LeBron is coming for like Kobe's crown, like like Joey was saying. Like I get that that was a narrative, and it was sort of this national idea, and it was a part of David Stern's NBA to a certain extent. Of like, let's. It's always the stars versus versus stars. It's it's it it, it was Magic versus Larry. It was Michael versus Isaiah. It, it it was all of those those matchups. But like, growing up a Laker fan, you saw so many stars that you came to appreciate what it meant to have one of those guys on your team. And so I grew up in in a way where I think you said this um very recently Pete that like LeBron belongs to the league. Yeah. Like and like that's how I feel about the Vic, like the upper upper echelon players. Kareem of the league.
2: Kareem, Will, Kareem yeah Kareem, those Will, guys like,
1: yeah. Like um and and in today's game like like I love to watch Giannis play. Like he kicked oh, yeah. the Lakers butts last night, but it's just like I I watched that dude and I'm just like this dude is unreal. I love to watch Kevin Durant play. I love to watch Steph Steph Curry play. Those dudes are masters of their craft. They are masters of the game. And so to have LeBron now be a Laker, Mike, it's this like oh my goodness like like I'm so happy. I get to see this dude play every day. Whereas before I would watch the Lakers every day and people would be like, oh, well, why are you watching this during the down years? Like this 20 win team. It's just like, well, I'm a Lakers fan. That's why I'm watching the 20 team. I want to see if Brandon Ingram's improving his strong side game so that he could get to his pull up jumper. And I'm trying to figure out how pick and rolls look in all lefty pick and roll looks between D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle. Like I'm trying to figure out how the X's and O's are going to go for this specific team. But watching a great player is different. Mike watching a great player is like a blessing it's a gift and you've been lucky enough to witness great players like from a totally different vantage point I feel like than the folks who watch them on TV or even are lucky enough to go to a handful of games a year and and so like talk to me about your your LeBron experience and five years and, and even before that and just your history with stars in general.
4: Yeah, I've been thinking about this in the context of scoring, uh, but the whole just who's great and and why is certainly a big part of the conversation. But so I, I did get to watch Kobe and as he passed Jordan, it was in Minnesota and I was there. And so there was a lot of time to reflect upon how he scored versus how Jordan did. And like in their senses, so Jordan's got the number one scoring average just ahead of Wilt, even when he came back. To the Wizards, and that hurt his average a little bit uh, at thirty point one. And Kobe's a little bit lower, in part because of his early years when he was coming off the bench as a kid, uh, and and then in his later years, right after like the post Achilles, when his last year was seventeen points per game in year twenty. And LeBron, like like to put him into context with that, and this is I think part of the narrative about LeBron that's always been ridiculous though, about the whole like he's not really a scorer. Like LeBron's fifth in average points. All time. So every time that LeBron has stepped on the floor, he's gotten 27.2 points or I mean, you know, you know how the, the averages work. So that to me is a is a just a an important point of emphasis because Jordan and Kobe and the way that they got their points and sort of the shooting, the moves and some of the ball handling stuff. LeBron has some elements of his game. You mentioned Giannis earlier, but you could even think of Shaq or Wilt or or Kareem in different ways, leveraging his size. And the way that he's able to get points sometimes I think was easier, even than Jordan and Kobe, um, who got a lot of easy baskets because mm-hmm. of their, their size. So I, those are just a couple things to throw out there, but I, I think that that's part of the whole LeBron. Is he a great scorer or not? That's so stupid because he, not only does he now have the total scoring uh, lead, which, which also includes longevity and health and taking care of himself like Kareem, but just the average Alone, uh, which by the way is still ticking up, and he might pass Elgin Baylor if he keeps averaging thirty for the mm-hmm. rest of the season. Because El- Elgin is at twenty seven point four, KD is twenty seven point three, and the bronze right now twenty seven point two
2: his career average is going up in year 20. How unbelievable is that? And so the how of it, Mike, I, I'm so glad you brought that angle into it. And Joey, you've done a lot of great research uh, for, I always refer to you as the great Joey Ramirez cause that's what Billy Mack always calls you on the, on the broadcast. And so, you know, I'm trying to get that nickname to stick for you and I, I think it will.
4: Usually it's for older guys, you know, I mean, Joey just turned 30. But you know, I'm, I know I'm, I'm with it, as a, as one of the number one Joey proponents, um, and you know, we go going back to in, to interviewing him as an intern um, out of University of Hawaii. But I I support the the movement, Pete, even though he's the youngest greatest ever.
2: Yes, yeah, no, it's 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 earned, uh, and so he's uh, he's done some great research kind of separating out the various elements of LeBron's scoring. So you touched on some of the transition points. What are some of the other things that stick out to you, Joey?
3: I mean, first of all, you all are, are blowing me up way too much. Uh, I got to live up to the hype like like LeBron now. So, and, and I do That's that right. nearly as well as he can. So thank you very much. But you follow his example, not target yeah. on my back. Um, back to LeBron, uh, you know, Pete, you and you, me and our, our good friends Taylor Gius uh, at the Lakers, we had a, a conversation the other day about great scorers. And we kind of had this mm-hmm. metaphor of, like, there's a wall in front of these guys. How do they get past the wall? There's a wall with a door in it, and the door is locked. And you look at a guy like Giannis, and he's the wrecking ball who comes through and knocks down the wall. And you look at a guy like Steph Curry, and, you know, I, I don't have the greatest metaphor for this, but he's he's knocking the wall down from afar. He also has kind of – he's a true three-level scorer, right? So, like, he can, he can knock down the wall in other ways as well. But then you have LeBron, and he has – So many ways of getting around this wall, whether it is knocking the wall down himself or, you know, uh, calling enough attention to him over here so that somebody else can sneak past and knock on the wall. He can pick the lock. He can do so many different things. Um, And and to me, when I think of LeBron, the scorer, I do think of he just has every tool in the toolkit. Um, And and that wasn't always the case. Right. Like we've talked extensively about the Spurs series back when he was uh, a younger lad and how they would just go under on every pick and roll. And he had to develop his shooting from there, but it wasn't just the shooting, right? It's the passing, it's the angles. It's, uh, and I was listening to Zach Lowe the other day and he was talking about his interview with Andre Iguodala, who was saying just the subtle stuff that LeBron does, the shifting of the weight, the hand fighting, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, the stuff you don't see in the broadcast, but you feel it if you're the guy guarding him. That's all stuff that's been learned over 20 years. And so when I look at LeBron and I, I look at him now, I see a guy who is that combination of strength and skill. Um, and it's not just in the, the very in your face, fill handy, 94 feet of game, like here are my pregame, my pregame dribbling bag, but it really is the, the more subtle stuff. It's the, the fact that he's the most effective cutter in the league right now. Um, and here's a guy mm-hmm. who, who, you know, how, how many guys are making those cuts at year 20, much less doing them to, as efficiently as anybody in the league. He's second in the NBA and made layups, um behind only Giannis and he's missed a handful of games right and you know beyond that it's not just oh he's getting to the rim a ton and you know it's a volume layup thing um among the 11 players with the most attempts at the rim he's number one in terms of percentage at the rim he's shooting 76 percent at the rim and so he's getting there and he's finishing better than Giannis he's finishing better than Zion he's finishing better than John Morant. Which shouldn't be possible, in year incredible. 20. But it, it speaks to the way that he's taking care of his body. It speaks to the way that he is a tactician. We we often think about the two segments of Kobe, obviously because there's number eight Kobe and there's number twenty four Kobe, and the line of demarcation tends to be the young brash athlete who won the slam dunk contest and would dunk all over your face, and then the master tactician who had the Mamba mindset and you know studied Bruce Lee. And you know that uh, uh, Rob Polinka once told me a story about snow leopards and how Kobe would. would would study the way that snow leopards use their tail.
2: Rob Palenka once told me a story about snow leopards <laughs> is a
3: great way to start a sentence. Um, and so that, that's that's how we look at Kobe. We kind of look at LeBron more in like chunks or even as a whole. We don't have that eight versus 24 demarcation. But when you look at LeBron, he really is kind of following a similar path where he he has both the physicality and the, the mental game um, to go with it and And you know one last thing that's only kind of kind of adjacently related here is LeBron is the social media superstar. nobody before him had to put up with the amount of pressure mm. that comes with social media um, the fact that every single day thousands of people are in his mentions saying how much they hate him in the most creative ways they can think of or sometimes the least creative ways that they could think of. yeah they're
2: not the very creative, <laughs> no, no.
3: but that really does take a toll on your mentals and you have to be a super super incredibly gifted in the in the mindset department type of guy to to be able to go through that and it's it's something that you know i think back to and this is no obviously no shade on on michael jordan who is michael jordan but like michael jordan every game that he played in all he heard was oh you're the best i go into a visiting arena i hear cheers i come out of the game i hear how much everybody loves me and it's because there was no social media If there was social media at the time you would have heard the same things lebron's hearing um but just the the attrition that comes with going through that amount of pressure every single day being straight to your cell phone. Uh, I, I can't help but but think of that as a factor as to why I think lebron is is uniquely great,
2: so Mike, we may remember the Jordan years in terms of what he heard from others differently. Uh, that, I know what that eyebrow means well,
4: look, i I can't be in <laughs> I can't be put in a spot to even slightly disagree with anything that that one of my favorite people, Joey, says. but this to At me is more of. This is to me more of just kind of a a generational thing. Like, I I think that whether the haters that are there and whether they're in your face or at the time for Jordan, it would have been in the newspaper or what other coaches said or what other opponents said or the people or the ones that he created himself, the slights that he might have felt. We saw this in a similar way from Kobe, who sort of bridged that gap from before people had cell phones to when everybody had a cell phone. Like when he started his career in 96, I got my first cell phone in my freshman year of college uh, in 2000. And it was, you know, it was a flip phone and mm-hmm. it it barely could send a text message and and all that. But I, your point about LeBron is absolutely true. I do think that there were were these types of these types of pressures, um, but just in a different way. And probably so. And I'm you and I'm sure you agree with that, too. But j- just in separating the way that like Jordan and, and LeBron had to deal with things I think that Jordan could at least get away from it um, at times and he could turn off the noise. And would he do that sometimes Mm -hmm. at the Mm -hmm. the casino or at the golf course? Yes. And can LeBron (laughs) get away from it for a second? No, because he has a cell phone. And even if he wanted to put it away, he can't because he's got three kids. And as somebody with three kids, like you, you, you need to have that thing on at all times um, in case something something comes up and, so that part I think is totally different and there's no, there's been no escaping all of the pressure since, uh, since for LeBron's whole career.
2: Let's take a quick break and when we come back, we've kind of set this context of LeBron as a scorer. I'd love to get into the, more of the details on the how.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: So D, Joey was talking about that fusion between strength and tactics and mindset, right? So the mindset being the, I'm going to prepare for years, my body for years, right? I'm going to be able to tune out all of the noise, the strength being an obvious physical trait. But the execution of that in terms of actually being able to score points has been something my appreciation for LeBron has grown a ton in these last five years. The number of times where I get the melt footage that, you know, you see me slow down and, what, and whatnot, like, and LeBron is having either a forearm or shoulder strike against somebody whose balance is compromised. And so it's a totally illegal move, but because, and this is what Iguadala I'm, I'm sure, was talking about, because LeBron hit you at that point. There, with the sufficient amount of force, he's been able to shed you. And you will. I, I always loved your descriptions of him putting guys in the sidecar off of the pick and roll and all that. And so talk to me about the strength of LeBron James and how he's been able to leverage that in a way that he's now increasing his scoring average in year 20. I think that is a fundamental attribute of that.
1: No, it totally is. And, and so I've said this a lot, that basketball is a game of angles. It's, it's geometry right? It's this idea of where the space is and how to get to certain parts of the floor in order to execute the thing that you've practiced so many times that it's literally muscle memory. We talk a lot about like, oh, it's just like riding a bike. Well, I can guarantee you Kareem is 75, but he could probably get out there and probably still show you how he could bury a skyhook from 15 feet if he really Mm -hmm. had to, right? And that's because he's shot maybe a million of those. Over his lifetime. And the thing about LeBron, and this is why they' the Venn diagram of what you're describing, Pete, about like like mental acuity and physical skill and dedication and those circles are almost fully overlapping. For a player like, like LeBron, there is no sliver, because right in the middle of that is where all the success lives and for lebron it's this it's it's just basically one circle right and so the mastery of the tactics and understanding of how to get to spots on the floor in order to finish the way that that he does and so when joy was talking about all of the finishing at the rim lebron is blessed with the fact that he's naturally left-handed and i don't say that just cuz he's a left-hander or because i'm a left-hander too it's just like the fact that Left-handers have a certain amount of craft that when you're actually Mm -hmm. a lefty, you're just like, oh, that dude's distinctly left-handed. Lamar Odom was like that. Manny Ginobili was like that. There are so many guys who are just like, oh, you're left-handed. And I Mm -hmm. love the fact that you go left all of the time and no one can stop you. It's in the game plan and you can go left. Well, LeBron shoots the ball right-handed, but he's a natural left-hander. And his ability to finish then around the basket with both hands he has these crazy sort of left-handed layups where he is actually yes. like the way that he's jumping, he is jumping through the plane of the backboard on the left-hand side. And so he's not going towards, he's not angling With the actual rim. Yeah, he's not angling yeah. towards the basket. He is angling through where he just kept going. He would like trample like Bernstein who's like over there, snapping, snap, <laughs> like yes. snapping
2: picks. And if you, this is something as you coach players to do that. That's one of the things that causes players to miss layups is when your shoulders are not square to the rim; they're square to the backboard.
4: To jump in real quick on this one, uh, because this actually came up in the bronze post press conference um, of the after he set the record, and somebody asked him a question about kind of influences growing up, and he, and he talked about some of his early coaches. Um, and I, I forget the game now, or sorry, the names of the coaches now, but basically the coaches that he had not only emphasized the importance of sharing the basketball and like, that's what he always cites back to. So he, he learned the right way to play uh, from this, this this specific group of people. And they told him early on that you have to be able to score with both hands. You have to be able to use both hands. And so he was, he, he, despite like you hear about kind of the AAU culture now, and LeBron talked about how many kids are just being poorly coached and he was not. And and that was a, a kind of a fundamental part of, even when Darius was talking about with his left hand, and like he was doing those drills and he was doing them well. And now it's, it's obviously been part of the whole package getting to be six, nine, getting to be this crazy body athlete, but also having those fundamentals, which some players just aren't taught. All of you guys, you, you work for the team. You guys did the George Mike and stuff. I think it was,
1: was it earlier this year or last season? All of the things that was this year. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. like all the stuff about the Mike and drill, like, that's where that stuff comes from right there's like a fun um, there is a baseline fundamental aspect to all great players that they're just excellent at all of the fun fundamentals and so on the stuff that i was talking about Mm -hmm. there where lebron is jumping basically through the backboard and not angling towards towards the rim he's showing all of this exquisite touch around the basket And you see it with like all of the reverse layups, the backhand stuff that he does with both the left and the right hand and all of this finishing craft that that he has. But he gets there. The reason why he gets to those spots on the floor is because he understands angles. He understands acceleration. He understands deceleration. He understands how to shoulder a guy and keep him there. He understands how to shoulder a guy and shed him. He understands how to shoulder a guy and then keep pushing through him in order to extend in one direction while the guy is still riding him so that he's drawing a foul. He understands all of these tactics where, oh, now my shoulder is in you and I'm reverse spinning off of that in order to create even more space where now I'm on this side of the court where I was on that side of the court and that opens up a passing angle that didn't exist before and now as that guy reacts, I see how that dude's reacting. And now this dude is open in the corner. Or
2: nope, it's time to go to the fade now because I see it all. And, and there's so much- And all of that, all of that, that sounds like what, like it's just this series of events, one after another, after another, it's happening very slowly for LeBron James. Well, he sees the game. And this is another gift that
1: he has. He has incredible recall. And not just recall in terms of, oh, I remember what happened. We all have memory. It's it's the ability to to transfer recall into action. And so it's like this thing happened. And now that influences the thing that I'm going to do next, because my brain, the signal in my brain is telling me that when this specific thing happened five years ago against a different team, but was coached by this same guy. They did this to me. Mm. And so now I'm going to do this because I'm in the same exact situation this time. And it's this unreal level of processing where like I tell my kids a lot. it's it's like, I only have so much RAM in my brain in order to do this thing. So let me stop doing this thing. And then I'll help you with math. LeBron has like unlimited RAM. This dude is just, oh, oh I'm just going to keep processing. Doesn't matter. I've got all of the answers.
4: So there's a couple of things there and there's this kind of marriage between the brain and then the physicality. And I've told this story before, so I'll be really brief with it, but I played one-on-one against a a WMB, like a a women's hall of fame player, um, Teresa Edwards. And I didn't, I just didn't even know what she was doing when I was playing. Like I didn't understand why her body was in a spot that knocked me off balance and like how she was able to create the separation. So there's, that's, that's part of it. And that's what, whenever you watch Jordan clips or Kobe clips, or LeBron clips, there are just, there are certain things that they do with their body. Um, and it's kind of what Darius was saying about the angles. But the other part of it that to me separates LeBron even more from from Kobe and from Jordan, just the raw power and the raw strength within those types of movements. And so Joey, I th- you can relate to this because I'll, I'll sometimes ask players, hey, what's the toughest thing about LeBron when you're having to guard him in practice? And most of the time, what I hear back is strength. And, and so then it's like, well, what does that mean? You know what? Cause we can all look at him and is, is is the, is it the way that you just bounce off of him because of the core strength and the power? Is it because he's also mirroring that with the angle? Um, so I wanted to kick that to you, Joey, cause you've been in some of those conversations, but what is it about that strength that, that it's hard for us having not, not actually playing in the NBA, but trying to translate what they're saying about it.
3: Yeah. You know, with that caveat that none of us have actually taken a charge from LeBron James um, I think it's, it's the ways that the strength manifests, right? Like we tend to think of strength as one thing, it's just brute force, but it's the way that LeBron can use his strengths in so many, the, the strength of his body in so many ways. It is that ability to, to stay balanced while absorbing contact, uh, while going to the rim. You know, we, we see how many times have we seen LeBron and one perfect finger roll layup off the glass, hit the flex for the crowd. And then go to the free throw line. Like I I have that image burned in my brain. It's happened so many times. And that's the strength in terms of that balance of you're not going to knock me off my spot, get me away from doing what I'm doing. It's also the strength in terms of, you know, just pure, like Shack like strength, right? Like he can body you. He can back you down. Tyler Hero, you're coming at me in the NBA finals in this bubble. I'm going to try to take a foul here. No, I'm I'm finishing right through you. Um, I'm not absorbing any contact. You're absorbing all of it um and so strength really does manifest in so many different ways um you know when when it comes to the fourth quarter he's a great he can be a great rebounder getting into the into the mess um the Clippers to reference the bubble again that Clippers game um I think with Dave McMenamin he might have said sorry his favorite shot is the Laker but he misses the the game winner in that bubble opener and then Mm -hmm. follows up on his own miss and gets it in and you know that sets the tone for the rest of it so I do think that that strength is is you know to me, it's, it's the malleability of his strength, which stands out. But it also does blend in with that IQ. You know, I, I, I don't think we make a big enough deal that the all-time scoring leader is fourth in assists all time. Like, that is crazy. Unreal. Like, the Showtime Lakers are iconic and globally no, known. And one guy has more points than Kareem and more assists than Magic. And obviously, the game has changed. And, you know, I love the Showtime Lakers, Pete. I'm not trying to put any. No, 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 it's, look, no, LeBron,
2: LeBron has earned it. It's funny, we were, I was going through all the congrats videos, right? And one of the things that the basketball people, I'm talking Pat Riley and just, you know, the players, a lot of the players and coaches was it's earned, not given. And so this is all something that just as a Laker and as somebody who rooted against LeBron at one point in my life, it's like, no, you took that. You're you've earned that, and and so it's not even like a, I don't know, like there's no defiance against that. It's like no, you earned those more assists than Magic Johnson, and, for, and those more points than Kareem.
4: For very quick context, just like with the assist totals, right? So Kobe's thirty third all time, and Jordan's fiftieth, uh, and and of course they're you know they're right there in terms of points, but they're different types of players. But that that just speaks to the larger point about what LeBron was also able to do, and and also he had the ball more. Uh, probably in overall, I would think that's a, that's kind of a different discussion. But part of that's because you can trust him to essentially be the point guard to run your offense. We saw Kobe have extended stretches when he could play that way. He just didn't usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jordan, you know, not as much. But I, I just wanted to toss that in there for context.
3: Yeah, no, I think that's good context. And Pete, you uh, you did some digging for us for the Lakers for on our YouTube channel. and You, you posted the uh, ceremony for when Kareem did break the record, the all time scoring record mm-hmm. 39 years ago. And one of the things that stood out to me was John Wooden sending a letter to Kareem, and you know who's better than John Wooden, right? And John Wooden's main message was, "I'm so proud that this all-time scoring record, when scoring is such, an, uh, it can be such a selfish, selfish act, that it is held by a, a completely unselfish player." Uh, in reference yeah. to Kareem, and I really think John Wooden would say, feel the same way about LeBron James, because here's a guy who was not who was criticized. When he was younger, for making the right decision and passing to an open teammate who would miss a game winner, right? And then the talking heads would go on about, oh, well, you know, he he doesn't have that killer instinct. He doesn't want to go, you know, he he doesn't want to take the shot when the game's on the line, right? And so I think we've evolved since then in large strokes, um, and we understand that you know he is playing the game in an unselfish way. And 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 hearing that from John Wooden, it it really did remind me of LeBron. And it's kind of nice that he is now uh, the scoring leader in place of Kareem. But again, to I mean. First in scoring, fourth in assists, seventh in steals, and what gets me ninth in games played? Are you kidding me? First yeah. in scoring and, and ninth in games played. That, that's ridiculous on its own, but then you're also top five in, in assists and top 10 in steals. He's the only player who's in the top 10 for two-pointers, three-pointers, and free throws. Nobody else is even in, in the top 10 for twos and threes. Um, yeah. Yes, the game has evolved, but he has evolved along with it, and in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, he has driven that evolution. Yes.
4: Darius, you're one of the few people that I feel like listens to about as many uh, podcasts, NBA podcasts as I do. Did you hear J.J. Reddick's rant the other day about clutch time? I did. I figured, see, I figured I did. you did. Um, the summary did. is basically, and it was, it was. he was, J.J. likes to go at um, Mad Dog a little bit. for. And he was on first take and doing the whole, is LeBron really a score? And Reddick's point was essentially, he did some research, right? And he's got the most clutch time points ever, over 2,600. The only other player to get above 2,000 is Kobe. And of course, you do have to put the the annotation in there that I think they started, this is tracking data, so it's 1996 plus. So who knows how that would have impacted guys back in the day when they had the full play-by-play. But then, you know, second most game tying or game-winning shots inside the final minute of the fourth or OT behind only Kobe. Kobe had 88. And uh, let's see, LeBron had 81. I also get annoyed when people start to bring up Kobe's percentages and like inefficiencies and, oh, well, Kobe also missed a ton. of. Shut up. Uh, Kobe made... But, all right. Yeah, I, I don't need to. It's also this, it's also
2: a different era. Like yeah.
4: that era of basketball
2: is also very different, and of which I think you know, Joy made the great point that LeBron helped usher in part of that evolution. But it's a uh, yeah, you're comparing different eras, and that's important.
4: Well, and I always always felt like, and this is more once I got to LA and got to watch Kobe day to day. But the the shots that he was taking and the, what he was doing in the regular season, some of that was just like prepping for the types of shots that he knew he would have to hit when games actually got tight as opposed to just worrying about if he was at 40% or 52% for that game. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so that, that I think influences numbers as well. Um, and then also LeBron five, five game winning buzzer beaters in the playoffs, which is the most in NBA history. Um, so those were Redick stats that I I felt like are, are just key to the whole clutch time and this whole conversation around LeBron.
1: Well, even the other day, Mike, um, I was listening to some trade analysis stuff and, um, Bill Simmons called Kevin Durant the greatest scoring forward ever. And Bill Simmons is fond of calling Kevin Durant that. No, I'm pretty sure that LeBron James is the greatest scoring forward ever because he plays forward and he has all the points in the world. And that's no dig at Kevin Durant. He's freaking elite. Like I always looked at KD and and I'm just like, this dude's kind of like Kobe, but he's 6'11". It's sort of unreal. And I don't want to... Pit players against players. It's it's just an interesting anecdote because LeBron being such a complete player, and this goes back to the assist stuff and everything that Joey was talking about in terms of steals, he's an elite defender. One of the anecdotes that um that Zach Lowe brought up, Iguadala was talking about how LeBron became like one of the best screeners in the league. Like he became such this he became a dynamic off-ball worker where mm-hmm. the player who's best in the world with the ball is also one of the best in the world off of the ball. Like like Steph is probably the guy who who exemplifies the idea of an off-ball worker and he leverages his shooting in in a very specific specific way. But I think of when you talk about images that are burned into your head for LeBron James, people don't want LeBron to catch the ball after he's given the ball up. And so one of the things that he does, and this goes back to the hand fighting, it goes back to the strength, it goes back to all of the little nuances of the game. You will see LeBron basically be squared up with his defender, but his back is to the sideline, basically. And he will then, and his defender is in ball denial mode because LeBron is lurching back up towards the top of the key and he is calling for the ball. One of the things that LeBron does is he will put his massive right hand Right on your right on your chest and your shoulder and he will lock you there and then he will swim move over the top and instantaneously get that right hand off and then extend it Mm -hmm. in order to make himself available for a backdoor cut. And then he is so strong. He sheds you the way that Lawrence Taylor would shed some small Dante Hall type of like guy who's trying to block him in the backfield where it's just like, no, you are too little for me. And so when Joey, when you were talking about strength and you mentioned all of the Kobe stuff and studies, Bruce Lee, one of the power, what one of the aspects of power is like that idea of, of like the one inch punch and generating power Mm -hmm. in very small areas where it's just like the way that you can jab a guy super quickly in order to get him off of you and create space. And LeBron is so big that once he creates space, he actually doesn't need a lot of space in order to, To magnify a catch radius of a dude who has these amazing physical attributes of massive soft hands and amazing wingspan and length and standing reach and all of these things where he he is just able to then create openings for passes as as a receiver that in the same way that he would then magnify passing angles as a passer. And I don't think there's really ever quite been a player like him that does both. That does both. And so, Pete, you've often talked about how LeBron sees the game offensively as the guy who often has the ball and how that benefits him as an off-ball player. And I think that all of the cutting, all of the ceiling, all of the, you see him sometimes too, like hang his head because he will cut and then he doesn't get the ball. And he, and you sort and of knows see that was it a in his yep. face where yep. he's just like, if I was the guy who had the ball right now, I would have passed it to myself. Like I would have passed it to myself because I see that because he sees the angle and he sees the game two or three steps ahead in ways that only the all time greats can.
2: Bro, when the strongest guy out there sees the game 2 3 steps ahead and he understands how to use the perfect technique at the perfect time to and has the skill to complete the execution of that move that to me is why i'm like yo know, lebron's going to be a, a superstar for a couple more years at the very least. And that's something that I think is really uh, the foundation of of why is all of that whole mix that you were talking about. This is great, it flew by. Joey, thanks so much for joining us. We've got uh, to turn our cha- attention, Joey. We've got uh, some press conferences coming up. Mike, you're gonna be at that too, right? With the, the new guys? Yeah,
4: yeah but just before our- the flight uh, to, to go up and see Darius. And I, Darius still hasn't told me whether or not I'm supposed to bring my little mini Nintendo simulator. Um, I don't know what his plans are. Mm. I know Joey was mm. interested in that, asked about a live stream. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I haven't really, I haven't heard. I haven't heard if that's what, if that's what he wants going down. Yeah, I'm still thinking. Still thinking about it. Okay. Yeah. I'm All right. Well, thinking.
2: we will know by Monday and we will have watched a brand new Lakers team, or at least mostly. And we'll be here to talk about yeah, everybody it. but Bamba. Should Everyone Bamba. but Bamba. Yeah. Still, still, uh, Suspended for giving Austin Rivers them hands <laughs> So, yeah, Dalsam style Alright, uh, we'll be back on Monday To talk about all of it, but until then you've been yeah, listening to the Laker hands. Film Room Podcast <laughs> We'll catch you next time
1: James has got it in low to McHale McHale wants to turn his double team Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy Tip the Magic, Worthy dies on his belly Magic scores There's Magic got it,
3: Magic fires It's in, and yeah, the Lakers win the game The Lakers win the game
1: <laughs>
4: seconds left. That next will win it. It's on the way. Yes! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking around so for this.
0: You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in, right,
4: in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the, score. the move.
0: Two, score. one, missing. It. One, three, four, It's over. Shot popping out of five. Oh, yeah. Bryant. Yeah